Eureka by John Thomas, Volume 1 Chapter 2, Section 3 To the Angel of the Ecclesia in Pergamos And to the Angel of the Ecclesia in Pergamos write, These things saith he having the sharp two-edged longsword. I have observed thy works, and where thou dwellest, in which place is the throne of the Satan. But thou holdest fast my name, and deniedst not my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful witness, who was put to death with you, where the Satan sojourns. But I have against thee a few things, that thou hast there men holding the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, to eat idle sacrifices, and to fornicate. So hast thou also men holding the teaching of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Change thy mind. But if not, I come to thee quickly, and will fight with them with the long sword of my mouth. He having an ear, let him hearken to what the Spirit saith to the ecclesias. To him that overcometh, I will give to him to eat of the manna that hath been hidden, and I will give to him a white pebble, and upon the pebble a new name that hath been engraved, which no one knew except the receiver. Verses 12 to 17. Topography of Pergamos This writing affords additional proof that angel is used in these letters as a noun of plurality. For example, thou, the angel, hast there, in Pergamos, men holding the teaching of Balaam, and again, so hast thou also men holding the teaching of the Nicolaitans. These men holding, Kratuntas, were constituents of the symbolical star angel, or presbytery, whose influence was only evil, and that continually, until at length the truth was extinguished in Pergamos through them. Pergamos was the name of a kingdom as well as of a city. The seat of government was in the city to whose angel the spirit wrote by John. It was the metropolis of the Hellespontic Mysia, and the throne of the kings of the race of Attalus, and is situated about 64 miles to the north of Smyrna. It still retains its ancient name, which in the mouth of a Turk is pronounced Bergamo. There are some good buildings in the place, but more ruins. Attalus, king of Pergamos, died BC 138 and was succeeded by his nephew Philometa who governed the kingdom in a most 
pernicious and extravagant manner. He was scarcely seated upon the throne before he stained it with the blood of his nearest relations and the best friends of his family. He caused foreign troops, whom he had expressly sent for from the most savage and cruel nations, to make them the instruments of his enormous barbarity, to execute whole families. Having vented his ferocity, he thenceforth ceased to show himself abroad. Cruelty and folly were the characteristics of his reign, which happily for his subjects lasted only five years. Previous to his death, which occurred before the birth of Christ, 133 years, he made a will by which he appointed the Roman people his heirs. Eudemus of Pergamos carried this will to Rome. The principal article was expressed in these terms. Let the Roman people inherit all my effects. They were not slow to take possession. But, being resisted, a war ensued which lasted four years, at the end of which they had conquered Lydia, Caria, the Hellespont, Phrygia, in a word, all that composed the kingdom of Attalus was reduced into a province of Rome, under the common name of Asia, in which the seven ecclesias were situated. This was consummated BC 126. At the present time, the city is occupied chiefly by Turks, very few families calling themselves Christian being left, and these but dogs and swine. Bishop Newton, looking at Pergamos from an Episcopalian point of view, says, Here is only one church remaining, dedicated to St. Theodorus, and that the name of Christ is not wholly lost and forgotten in Pergamos is owing to the care of the Metropolitan of Smyrna, who continually sendeth hither a priest to perform the sacred offices. The Cathedral Church of St. John is buried in its own ruins, their angel or bishop removed, and its fair pillars adorn the graves and rotten carcasses of its destroyers, the Turk, who are esteemed about two or three thousand souls in number. Its other fine church, called Santa Sophia, is turned into a mosque, and daily profaned with the blasphemies of the false prophet. There are not in the whole town above a dozen or fifteen families of miserable Christians, who till the ground to gain their bread, and live in the most abject and sordid servitude. There is the less reason to wonder at the wretched condition of this church, when we consider that it was the very throne of Satan, that they ran greedily after the error of Balaam, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit fornication, and that they held the impure doctrines of the Nicolaitans, 
which Christ detested. It was denounced unto them to repent, or else he would come unto them quickly and fight against them, as the event evinces that he hath done. This is all the bishop has to tell us about Pergamos and the letter to its ecclesia. Its population is unequally divided between the Turks and Greeks, the former of whom, he says, daily profane it with the blasphemies of the false prophet. To our mind, Pergamos would be more intensely profaned were it peopled exclusively with Greeks in the full tide of Byzantine prosperity. It was their blasphemies, like the profanities of Sodom and Gomorrah, that brought upon them their overthrow, and the Turkish desolation. Instead of adhering to the truth, they worshipped demons, called Saint Theodora and Santa Sophia, to whom they dedicated bazaars, called churches, for the sale therein of clerical merchandise. The remnant are indeed miserable Christians, with nothing of Christianity but the name. The Throne of the Satan Pergamos, having been, as we have seen, the metropolis of the kingdom in whose territory the seven ecclesias were situated, was fitly selected by the Spirit as the place of the throne of the Satan. From the writing to the ecclesia there, it would appear that the clerical influence was stronger there than in any other of the seven. They were Balaamites and Nicolaitans, teaching idolatrous practices, committing spiritual abomination, and Judaizers and Gnostics. The miniature kingdom of Pergamos, in its connection with Christianity, had become the kingdom of the clergy, whose power in the days of John was enthroned in the city of that name, being opposed both to state paganism and to apostolic Christianity. It was the headquarters of the synagogue of the Satan, who, like its symbolical predecessor, Philometer, left all its effects to Rome. The seven apocalyptic epistles illustrate the things that are, the things that do exist while the Spirit speaks through John, the things constituting the Christendom of the kingdom of Pergamos at the end of the first century and in the beginning of the second. Pergamos was the throne of the clerical Satan, as Rome is at this day. For Rome became the heir of all the effects of those in Pergamos, who held the teaching of Balaam and of the Nicolaitans. But we shall not enter further at present into the consideration of the Pergamian Christendom, a type of the Greco-Latin Christendom, at the Apocalypse of Christ in power and great glory, until I have expounded in detail what remains peculiar to the ecclesias yet to be discoursed of. Having dictated to John the superscription of the epistle as 
to the angel of the ecclesia in Pergamos. The spirit in telling him to write what follows, saith of himself that he is he having the sharp two-edged longsword. The reader can here refer to what I have already written upon the saying, out of his mouth a sharp two-edged sword, on page 183. In addition to what is there said, we may remind the reader that Paul testifies that there is one body and one spirit, Ephesians 4 verse 4. The one spirit is sometimes in singular and at other times in plural manifestation. As the apocalyptic son of man in plurality, he speaks as the sound of many waters. But in speaking as one person, as the head and mouth of the one body, it is the glorified Jesus speaking, whom Paul styles the Lord the Spirit, the last Adam, a life-imparting spirit, the second man, the Lord from heaven. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 45 and 47. The Lord Jesus, then, here styles himself paraphrastically, he having the sharp two-edged longsword, which is the word or testimony of deity. For the Spirit is the truth. I am the truth, said Jesus in discourse, and he discoursed by the Spirit. And when the Spirit raised him from the dead, he converted him into solid, substantial, and corporeal spirit, so that Jesus and the Spirit became one and indivisible. The sword that he hath is styled Romphia. There are two words used in the Apocalypse for our word sword. Being different words, we judge that their signification is diverse. The other word is Machaira. The first occurs in chapter 1 verse 16, chapter 2 verses 12 and 16, chapter 6 verse 8, chapter 14 verses 15 and 21. The second in chapter 6 verse 4 and chapter 13, verses 10 and 14. The Rom fire was the longsword used by the Thracians, while the Machaira was a short sword, or sabre, as opposed to the Xiphos, the straight sword. The Machaira was the Roman military sword, the badge of office worn by the imperial lieutenant, to whom the power of the sword was delegated by the emperor. This was not the sword with which he, the spirit, threatened the angel of the ecclesia in Pergamos, when he declared he would fight against the Balaamites and Nicolaitans among them with the long sword of his mouth. This was the word sword, a sharper one than a steel sword for it destroys the soul eternally, 
slays it out of existence when wielded against it.